Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, psychedelics, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Andon Ho and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis and psychedelics industries forward. This week, Nick and Anne talked to Bill Panagiotakopoulos, CEO and founder of Safe Supply Streaming Corporation. Bill and the Safe Supply team are focused on investing in and incubating companies at the forefront of the third wave of drug policy reform. As jurisdictions around the world move to decriminalize, regulate, and legalize drugs, Safe Supply is investing in the infrastructure necessary to support the transition. In this episode, our hosts sit down with Bill to get a rundown on how Safe Supply loans help to bring a responsible end to the war on drugs, some of the biggest misconceptions people can have about drugs, and why he believes that now is an ideal time to deploy meaningful capital into drug reform. If you're interested in learning more about Bill and Safe Supply, visit the links in our show notes. Also, be sure to follow Safe Supply and Bill on LinkedIn and other top social media platforms. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Bill Panagiotakopoulos, CEO and founder of Safe Supply Streaming Corporation. be a really interesting episode because it is a step away um, from what we normally cover um, with regards to the cannabis and psychedelic space. Um, but let's start by first, Bill, your background and the journey that led you to um, founding Safe Supply Streaming Corporation. Well, I spent a lot of time in the, uh, I guess, drug world, if you will. Uh, back in 2012, I had departed from the renewable energy sector, you know, an attempt to make the better the, uh, the world a better place and looked at uh, the next big thing that governments were looking at, which was cannabis. Um, and I spent the better part of 10 years um, helping sitting down with Health Canada at every round table, helping them devise and develop the, the this this licensing regime that was going to open up cannabis to the world, to the people that are sick, to the people who want to uh, use it for uh, recreational use. Um, and uh, I, I, the kind of the light went off on me. I mean, I had a pretty conservative upbringing, but looking at the benefits of what these uh, different substances can do was pretty eye-opening to me. Um, and then from there, I segued into the psychedelic world, spent uh, a number of years looking at that, playing in the capital markets with that, um, ultimately doing really well on it and seeing, oh my God, there's, there's, there's real evidence here that this can be medicine, um, which we've seen uh, has happened. And, you know, I took two steps back, look at the whole ecosystem in the world and said, okay, well, what's next? What's, what's, what's happening here? Cannabis, psilocybin, MDMA, what's next? What, where are these new drugs coming from that the world is, is, uh, is looking at and what's the best path to getting those to people like myself, the investor, because there's a lot of pitfalls in this brand new industry. Uh, and then I took another further step back and looked at it and I'm like, oh my God, is it, is this true? Is this the third and final wave of the scheduling? Is our drugs actually going to become regulated and legal? I, and I think they are. So my bet is that my, 
drugs as a whole are being reimagined and state by state, province by province, country by country, people are analyzing their um, quote unquote war on drugs and reconsidering what that means and, and how to deal with it. And I want you to to expand on that because, um, you know, on that thesis, because I think that's really interesting. A lot of people are, I think, thinking in that line. But, you know, that could mean a lot of different things, you know, with legalized heroin, legalized cocaine and stuff. And and so I'd, I'd love to hear more about that and how that plays into, you know, the genesis of safe supply. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Nick, let's take a let, let's take a look at the whole uh, heroin, cocaine, um, cannabis, uh, psychedelics. They've been illegal for a very, very small part of human history. What happened and what has that led to? So what we did is we took pain relief um, and we took uh, the psychedelics, which helps people arguably in many different ways. Um, and we pushed them into the underground. We came up with synthetic chemicals and said, here, take these instead, which are arguably worse and more addictive. And we, we came up with this regime in the last 50 years, 70 years of forcing people to go down this quote unquote pharma world, which has not led to a lot of good things. Um, there is close to $700 billion worth of an underground illicit uh, drug trade. All of that money is leaving all the, you know, North America, uh, going into South America. It's leaving Europe, going into Asia and uh, through the underground world, which is fueling all kinds of sinister uh, and nefarious um, uh, enterprises, not only in the drug world, but that leads to human trafficking, leads to uh, all kinds of unspeakable uh, wrongs. And I mean, what, what does it mean when you say something's illegal? I mean, in Canada, I can go to any, any city, actually, I can go to any town and get whatever drugs I want faster than I could probably get a prescription to get medicine. So I'm looking at it and a lot of people are looking at it and saying, hold on a sec. We're spending billions of dollars fighting this quote unquote war on drugs. It's not working. We're spending billions of dollars treating the people that get duped into taking chemicals they don't want to take, fentanyl, xylazine, and that's really not working. So is there a better approach? And we see the, that that's the, the, this global shift is happening. It happened with cannabis. When I first started in cannabis, people said it, it's never going to be legal. It's, it's pun intended, a pipe dream. Get off it. It's never going to happen. And look where we're at right now. Taking a little bit longer than expected, but lo and behold, here it is. Then you have these amazing company like MAPS that... <laughs> took literally a psychedelic drug and are coming out with an FDA approved treatment. I mean, this is revolutionary. This is groundbreaking. Why can't we uh, treat ADHD with um, uh, all natural plant-based uh, drug like cocaine, which is a speed just like uh, the current Adderall medication is. I'm not advocating for it, but I'm just saying that there might be a better um, there might be a better use of all these drugs rather than saying, hey, they're illegal. You can't use them. You can't touch them. By the way, we really can't police them or protect you against from using them. It just doesn't work. The system's broken and it's being reimagined. There's, um, you know, we've had uh, Dr. Carl Hart on this show uh, a couple of times um, and, you know, have have, have read his books. Um, and, you know, there's this this idea that there is no such thing as a bad drug. Um, you know, it's just th that is the public perception and how we've decided to kind of 
um, in some as in some ways control people um, and to police people in ways that um, you know are advantageous to other people. Um, so, do you subscribe to that theory that you know their drugs are not inherently bad? Um, but it is about more about the relationship that that individual people may have with said drugs. I agree. Yes. Yes. And it's evident every weekend when you go out and you go to, you know, these amazing events and you see people from, you know, the the, the wait staff to the uh, ultra rich. Everybody has access to whatever they want. It's, a, it's we're pretending if we say, well, you know, there's no cocaine over there. Of course, there's tons of it. Any 15 year old can get it literally anywhere in North America. It's easy to get and it's not even that expensive. So it's all out there. It, it, cleaning it up. Carl's point, cleaning it up and making it uh, acceptable is, I think, the first step in getting people to just not use it. You know what I mean? Because they're going to use it anyways if they want to. Um, now, once you take off that that edge that, oh, it's illegal, oh, it's exciting, right. oh, I'm doing something, you know, out there on the edge. Once it's available, it's like, oh, well, it's, it's available. What am I really well, and, uh, and And most people who use drugs are not addicted no. not get addicted to drugs so no. this also kind of false premise that um you know oh my god i'm gonna uh, like you know cannabis is the great gateway drug right um that's just been proven false time and time again um and so I, you know there there's this education and and kind of public perception change that i assume is going to be i mean you're you're the first one of the first players in this space right that's got to be a huge part of what you are doing at safe supply is this you know, the, the education and the public perception kind of work. It is. And we're talking to um, politicians. We're talking to policymakers. We're talking to uh, some of the, the highest people up at the RCMP. And, and they all agree. They're like, look, this this doesn't work. What, we're, what we've done, what we've been doing isn't working. We need a better way. Hiding from it or taking an ultra conservative stance of no, 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 all drugs are bad. Just stop. Doesn't work anymore. We got to figure out a solution. I was in Dubai not long ago, um, the beginning of last year, and I was talking to some some pretty senior people in politics and in government, and we were having frank conversations about safe supply. And they're like, "No, no, 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 never here. It's it's totally illegal. It will never go here. There's death penalties and this and that." I'm like, "But oh, come on, if you." I really wanted it. Can I get it? He's like, oh, yeah, you could. But it's still, you know, frowned upon you. You, you can't do it here. So even the most conservative places have drug problems. Why not make the problem of it because you're trying to force people not to do it and ultimately sending them to the underground to get it, make it as part of the, the, the daily life. And all of a sudden it doesn't become such a such an interesting thing to go after. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a, a story. Um, when I was. 15 years old, we moved, my family moved back to Europe and I spent a whole year in Europe uh, in a country where there was no uh, age of uh, majority. There was no legal drinking age. If you could literally stand at a bar, you get served. I saw almost nobody getting absolute rip drunk. It would be, it would be actually weird to see somebody drink to a point where they're falling over 
the following year, I moved back to Toronto. And anytime I got a chance to go out, there were people passed out in parking lots, vomiting, going crazy. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is crazy. I never, I don't have this. I, I, I wasn't exposed to this in the last year of being able to go to any bar I wanted, any nightclub and at 15 years old and, and get a cocktail. Like I, you didn't see this. Why is this happening? Well, simple. People aren't allowed, so they go and abuse. When it's free and available, or not free, but when it's available to you with with no issues, you don't need to make yourself sick drinking. And I think that translates into a lot of drugs and a lot of stuff that's up there. If it's available, you don't need to go get it. If it's not a dangerous, crazy uh, thing that you're going to go do, people are probably less apt to abuse it. So I, 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 want, I want to make sure that we're getting into this. So where does safe supply sit within this? Like, can you uh, expand on it for our, 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 yes. our listeners? What is safe supply? So safe supply, we're, we went public uh, about 90 days ago. We're trading on the Canadian Securities Exchange, SPLY. And what safe supply has been designed to do is to go out and identify the opportunities in the third wave of the schedule. So whether you're a company that's looking to import coca leaves to do extraction in Canada, whether you're the an app uh, engineer that wants to make the next, you know, um, uh, app, because we're looking at a company right now that that deals with uh, addiction and mental health, um, whether you're using uh, extracts from uh, different drugs, not the, the psychoactive part of it, but the other parts of it because there's a lot of useful parts of it and trying to get into a CPG company. What we do is we're a group of former CEOs in the cannabis and psychedelic world and bankers. We go and identify the opportunities because the problem has been through all of these waves is who's going to be the winner? Which company is actually going to be financed, do well, go public and be able to reward the investor? Safe Supply takes out the guesswork. We go out there, if you have the same thesis as us that this is going to be big, you can invest in safe supply in the open market and let us go to do the work, which means we're going to go out there, identify the opportunities in this new ecosystem, and we're going to benefit from it. And you'll benefit from it because you don't now have to go out and try to diligence a um, a uh, fentanyl strip company that's opening up in across the U.S. Do they have the money? Do they have the the expertise? Are they capitalized? All the rest of it. We do the work for you. So um, we we're able to spread your investment across a dozen or so different good quality companies that we've identified. And you've brought up the coca plant specifically here a couple of times. And, and what my head goes to is like the old Coca-Cola recipe that, that had coca plant in it, too. Is that like a, another type of, of a company where you're seeing that application apply for, for the coca plant? Are we going to see cocaine in, in, in yes. products? <laughs> yes. And Nick, Coca-Cola still uses coca extract. They just take out the, the drug portion of it. So they de they take out the alkaloid out of it and they okay. do use the essence of the coca leaf. I've been down to Peru. I've tried the coca leaf. I've, I've had the uh, extract from the coca, not the cocaine part, but the actual uh, extract out of it. And it's incredible. It tastes good. It smells good. And it gives you energy. And it, it, it's just this amazing product. I find it fascinating that there's only one company in the world that uses this ingredient 
Uh, they built a $200 billion corporation and nobody else is using it. So one of the companies that we're working with, uh, Harbor, is actually bringing in now the extract and formulating these these amazing drinks. One is a um, uh, one is an energy drink called Bump. Uh, and they're looking to launch that in the next 90 days. And it's going to be huge. It's going to be phenomenal. It tastes great. It actually gives you energy aside from the caffeine that's there. Like it's uh, it's th- these amazing ideas that are coming out because people are now destigmatizing what the coca leaf is and what the plant looks like and how we can use it. It, it, it's funny because the way you're describing this, they're taking the, the harmful drug part out of it. So and most are we dangerous- talking about... Uh, oh. No, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, is that launching in Canada? Is it in the U.S.? Where Where is that product launching in the next 90 days? Uh, it's going to be, I'm sorry, the formulations in the next 90 days. It's about uh, another two months after that. It'll be launching in Canada and the U.S. How much uh, sugar and caffeine will be in it? Because those sound like the most addicting parts of, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> drinks. <laughs> So, so Nick, that's a good point. And the way that um, Harbor has formulated their 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 CPG drinks is actually to cut out most, uh, if not all, the sugar, um, because the uh, the coca extract is is flavorful and actually not offensive like a lot of the other uh, ingredients that are put into energy drinks. You don't have to mask it with a lot of sugar, um, and it'll be less in caffeine because, again, the the natural coca extract gives you the energy. It'll probably still have caffeine in it because everybody's looking for that but a lot less or certainly less but it's 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 exciting to work with these these companies that that are doing the next level the next step of uh of business and you know look we have one company that's looking that has actual po's for the alkaloid the actual cocaine uh in i think three countries in europe and they're looking for product and they're coming to us because we've invested in Canna Labs, which is getting their dealer's license um, and they'll be able to deal in cocaine, ecstasy, MDMA and whatnot. So we'll become a broker of sorts for those types of companies that are looking for that support, both um, logistically to get the product to those countries and also the financial support to be able to make those deals happen. There's so much going on on the legal side of, uh, of these drugs. That that would fascinate most people, but again, most people don't know. They don't know that you know lidocaine, novocaine are uh, cocaine derivatives. You know, and they're used right. every single day in every major every city in the world. So there's a huge business here that um, that we're going to be jumping in on and investing in these amazing companies that are that are early on too. Right? That's that's the important part. Uh, we're investing at the absolute first available opportunity to invest in them. And that's what people want to see. Listen, you wanted to invest in Canopy when it was a buck 50. You wanted to invest into um, a lot of these amazing companies that blew up early on and you, you're able to do well. And that's that's what that our goal is. Get in early, early on, support these companies, make sure they do well. You know, you talked about, you're you're talking about the, the coca leaf and substance basically as a nutraceutical, um, which I think is a very radical, I mean, way to think about it. You know, it makes such sense, but I also, I think, you know, cocaine has got such a, um, you know, a negative perception that, you know, that's, that's kind of a lot to overcome, but are you doing it only from the CPG standpoint, or are you looking to become a supplier to research facilities, um, who want to do it, do more, um, uh, you know, research into the medicinal benefits of these substances. 
Both, both. We'll, we'll, we're licensed. Uh, we're going to be licensed for for both. But but the one thing you said something interesting in. You said you know radical that it's a, a nutraceutical. I mean the Mayan the in South America they've been using the coca leaf uh, for ten thousand years. It's it's for them it's a part of life. It, it's us in North America that. Yeah. Have, you know, refined it to the cocaine portion of it and then vilified the, the whole plant. The plant itself is fascinating. Right, coca, right. coca plants grow right up into Southern California. I mean, they built Machu Picchu <laughs> with the co- on the backs of the coca leaf. Like, this is an amazing substance. I've had coca tea. It doesn't have that drug uh, uh, thing to, um, push to it. It, it. And it's way better than coffee. It gives you this, 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 this refreshing energy and, and clarity. It's amazing. It's an amazing product. Um, and it's, and it's, you're right. It's tragic that people have looked at it, uh, made a you know determination that this is bad and not looking at all the good that something like the coca leaf can do. Same thing with cannabis. Everybody looked at it as, oh my God, it's just uh, to get, uh, to get high. And then you open up the whole CBD, CBG, and all the rest of the components that are in it that are so beneficial to us. I think that that uh, brings up a really good point where, you know, what you just said about the public perception, like if cannabis gets legalized, everybody's just going to be high. It's going to create a dangerous situation, you know, and I think with what you're describing is, you know, legalizing, you know, cocaine or some of these other drugs that uh, the public initial reaction is going to be, you know, there's going to be negative consequences um, for for decriminalization. What do you say to those folks that that try and uh, give that pushback? Here's the math. The math is this. You make cocaine legal right away. More people are going to try it initially. But the people that are and then it'll just go. It'll pass by the people that are taking are wanting to use cocaine, which is a lot of people. It's a it's it's a huge number in Canada and in the U.S. What's going to happen is they're going to start doing clean, certified GMP, 100 percent pure product. And they're not going to get duped into taking fentanyl and xylazine because they're no longer going to the criminals to go and get it. All of a sudden, your net net is you're ahead of the game immediately because the reality is this. There is over 630 people a day in North America dying from fentanyl and xylazine overdose. That's like two Boeing 747 jets falling out of the sky every single day. Yet we're doing so little about it. If two planes fell out of the sky once, we'd make a big issue of it. It's happening every single day. Guys, people going to the streets to getting their drugs is bad. It's really bad. And forget the people that are, let's, let's put aside, set aside the people that are dying, the 630 or so people a day. How about the thousands of people that are getting tricked and duped into getting addicted to all these horrible drugs? These 10 cities that just didn't happen because uh, all of a sudden everybody everybody wants to do more drugs. No, it's your electrician, your lawyer, your doctor, your teacher, your somebody who's dealing with either they want to have a better time on the weekend or you know what? We're having a, a really hard time paying our mortgage and I need a release and escape. That's going to always happen. They go out to get their ecstasy, their MDMA or their cocaine or whatever it is that they're wanting to use. And if they got ecstasy in this clean, pure form, if they got cocaine in this clean, pure form, the next day they get up, they move on with their lives. But when there's a bit of fentanyl in it, when there's a bit of xylazine in it, when there's all kinds of 
garbage put into it, all of a sudden that person needs that drug and can't get away from it. And their next day, instead of being one of hungover or refreshment or whatever, I'm going to move on. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm back to work. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're selling whatever they can to get their next fix. And then those people end up the most critically vulnerable on the street. And of course, at that point, you know, all bets are off. So how do you, I think that if everything was legalized and clean, you'd have ultimately a lot less deaths, a lot less um, uh, prosecutions, a lot less of all the horrible things that comes around drugs and people just trying it and coming out of it. And ultimately, guys, we're not advocating for people to use drugs. If you don't use drugs, don't use drugs. <laughs> if you use drugs, stop using drugs. These are obvious things. But if you're going to go down the journey of using drugs, which most people at some point try, here's you're protected. Here's the information. And by the way, it's if it was regulated and taxed and actually brought into an industry, we'd have the resources to help the people, the most vulnerable that can't get out of it. Right. Do you it feels like Canada and British Columbia um, specifically has always been um, really progressive uh, in terms of its drug policy? You know, we've got uh, some states here, you know, Oregon, um, Colorado, you know, opening up some market potential here. How do you how have those regulatory changes like is that interesting to you? Or are you mostly focused yes. um, in Canada and, and the nope. other international markets? OK, so you haven't given up on the U.S. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, the U.S. Look, the reality is this. There's some brave politicians, some very forward thinking uh, government officials there that said, hey, listen, this is. This war on drugs just doesn't work. We need to legalize, decriminalize whatever we, we can do to get people from hiding in the shadows because that's causing problems. But the reality is that's a half measure. If you're going to go down the path, okay, now you need to find a, a, a resource, a source for these people, right? You can't just say, okay, go ahead and do it. Keep dealing with the people you're dealing with because they're not helping those people, right? They're, they're the, the, the most drug dealers aren't, you know, they're trying to make money. And right. unfortunately, they're going to victimize uh, the, a lot of the people that are out there that are most vulnerable. So if you go down, you go down the path of decriminalizing, legalizing, what have you, find a path to get people with a, through a prescription, through a safe swap program, through something to get them what they're looking for in a clean way and then get them the help that they need to be able to come off it or manage it better. Uh, I'm interested in the regulatory like hurdles that you guys are going to face when it, when it comes to this, like, like, Anne um, just brought up Oregon and Colorado. Like if, if you were going to look to bring like a CPG product that has coca plant in it or say psilocybin in it, are you first looking at those markets that are decrim or um, is there an opportunity for you to, you know, put it into regular grocery stores because it doesn't have, you know, maybe the, the more, um, let's call it dangerous aspects of what the drugs could have. Everything safe supply does is a hundred percent in line with federal laws and regulations. We will not challenge any of them. We will just follow as closely along as they change and participate in them with respect to the coca extract. It's the same extract that's in Coca-Cola and that's everywhere in the world. So we, whatever we do is totally legal and acceptable and can be sold at, uh, you know, Costco to every gas station, to every nightclub. So that's 
that's 100% for sure. We won't add any uh, psilocybin or anything into a market that isn't legal, not only on a state level, but on a federal level. We, we, we wouldn't expose our investors to that type of a risk. So, but that's why we're now looking at, you know, companies that are doing fentanyl test strips, which as crazy as it sounds, four months ago were, <laughs> were a crime mm-hmm. in the U.S., which, which most people still can, up here in Canada can't believe. It was drug paraphernalia. Now, 32 states have opened it up and said, hey, look, let's give the power back to the people so that they're not getting tricked and taking these dangerous chemicals that get them addicted, which is great. So we're right up on that policy change. We've identified a company that wants to participate in that four or $500 million a year market and they're launching. So that's where we play. Safe Supply follows us close to the regulatory changes without breaking any rules. And that's where our investments go to safeguard our investors, our, our company, and also to help those companies uh, excel in what they're doing. Do you have any advice as a Canadian um, for the U.S. federal government <laughs> when it that comes advice? to drug policy? If, if you were the U.S. drug czar for President Biden, <laughs> what would you oh do? Boy. Oh, boy. I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know that I'm qualified. So to, much power uh, I just gave you. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, listen, the, the reality is this is, you know, take, 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 a, take a long look at the war on drugs and see what what transitions can happen quickly that will give your people um, the most um, help and the most protection. And, th- and whether that means, the, the, you know, finally federally allowing uh, uh, cannabis to be sold legally, that might be one, or at least uh, look at, you know, all of these Jeez, that's a tough question. The reality is they're going to do what they got to do. There's a lot of interest at play there. And I can't uh, <laughs> I can't go against, you know, I, I think the U.S. is ruled by a lot of advocates for a lot of special interest groups. And I don't know when that'll go away or when, you know, they'll see past that and be able to say, hold on a second, we got to fix this war on drugs and, and start allowing uh, certain things. And that said, look at maps. I mean, they're 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 doing well. They're yeah. they're swimming in those in those waters, and they're going to have a product coming out that has the full backing of the federal government. Now, fast forward ten years from now, if if we're good at what we do, we've invested wisely, and you know we'll have the next um, uh, maps product, or we'll have the next uh, uh, big thing, whether it's an, uh, a CPG energy drink or you know a biopharma uh, company that is going to change the world. Uh, you know, either deal with fatigue or ADHD or some of these other uh, the ailments that 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 has befallen the people here in North America that we can help with. And on that note, then, do you how do you anticipate the rollout of this uh, of, you know, working under the assumption that like, yeah, psilocybin mushrooms are going to get uh, legalized for medicinal use. Do you see that following the, the cannabis model where it's like, um, we already have the infrastructure in states where there's dispensaries, like, could they just be an add on to that? And we'll see it more on a state by state basis. Or do you see, you know, these types of drugs getting, um, you know, a, a different category where the federal government will have to make the ruling first before we see states, um, implement. Well, I see what they've done in Australia 
guy that's a genius. You say it's legal for medical use and everybody now has a prescription for <laughs> psilocybin or ecstasy. So I, I, I like that approach to it because it, it gives access to the population without just uh, it being a free for all right off the back. And then from there, just like cannabis, right? Cannabis was medical, medical use only. And then it eased the whole perception and, and kind of eased into the market of being uh, wreck. Uh, with regards to psilocybin uh, and psychedelics in the U.S., I think it's going to go more uh, under a prescription uh, rather than just going straight into cannabis stores. Uh, but, but again, like guys, you, you go down to the U.S., I don't care if you're in Miami, Chicago, I don't, I don't, if you, you could be in the middle of uh, Iowa, like in, in, in somewhere where there's no major cities, and say, hey, I'm looking for mushrooms. You're gonna get them, right? <laughs> I just hope the the government just 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 falls in and says, okay, let's look. Well, we already have one medicine out of it. Let's let's make this under prescription and give people access to it. I want to go back to to something you're talking about the, the the business side of everything. You mentioned um, Safe Supply recently went public on the CSE. Um, can you talk about you know why you guys made that decision and? You know, uh, uh, what has you excited about um, uh, public listing? When we started the company, we got such a big push from people wanting to invest and wanting to be a part of this uh, thesis that the third wave of uh, drug reform is coming that uh, we wanted to follow in the footsteps of some of the big guys, right? Like Cybin, like Canopy, like Aurora. Be the first out there. Give the people uh, the ability to be able to come in and invest uh, and be a part of this, uh, this 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 new world. It just for me, giving access to the to, to your reg, your average investor, your average person who wants to see this change or wants to participate in the 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 uh, the boom that we think is coming was important to me. Uh, us staying private and 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 raising hedge fund money at the end of the day, we're just making very 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 rich people richer and not really giving access to you know the individual the retail investor that's out there and a lot of these guys didn't get access to these um companies until they were way 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 further advanced right this is grassroots you want to be if you think this is going to work we're the company to invest in what are some of the the biggest pushback you hear from investors same as cannabis. People, you know, oftentimes have that knee-jerk reaction. We're like, well, that's never going to happen. And I'm like, well, in Switzerland, there's already a motion in their federal government to sell cocaine recreationally. They're like, no, there isn't. And then they Google it and they're like, oh, my God, you're right. I go, Australia sells psychedelics uh, by prescription. No, they don't. Oh, my God, you're right. I go, guys, it's coming. I mean, if, if it was going to if, if I knew that in 24 months I would be able to import cocaine and sell it recreationally, I'd be a two billion dollar company. We wouldn't be having these conversations, but we're not there quite yet. And when it comes, it's going to come quick and fast. Um, and, and people start to see there with because there's so many examples out there of what's happening. The the pushback is 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 quashed pretty quickly, right? Um, Bill, uh, you're hundred percent on the money that I think the, the pushback is going to keep easing. I think people are, are following cannabis, following the, where we've seen, um, Matt's make a lot of progress in the drug policy. I think we're, we are going to see, 
um, you know, those changes happen. Um, but this has been a really great conversation. I definitely want to, to, um, stay following safe supply. Um, but before we let you go, we've got, um, I got a two part question for you, um, that, you know, hits on a lot of questions. First one, what has you most excited? We're recording this in early January. What has you most excited, um, for, for the year ahead in 2024? And then what is the biggest untold story that you think deserves attention that you would love to see on the, on the front page of the New York times? We spent over a year right now researching uh, what's going on in the industry and who are the real players and um, who's who we feel is going to make it in 2024. And we are going to be cutting those deals and investing in those companies and helping those companies in different ways um, over the next I'd say eight to 10 months. So there's what's exciting for me is in 2024, we have a number of incredible opportunities that we're going to be bringing uh, into our investors. And I think they're going to benefit really, really well from it. Um, and I'm bullish on this coca uh, plant extract becoming the next big CPG um, product. I think I think neutral the neutral world. I think the health and wellness world is going to go crazy when they try what I've tried and and, and feel what I felt. And, and then, what's the 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 biggest untold story that you'd love to see get more attention over this next year? I thought, I'm sorry, Nick, I was going to go back to my Coca <laughs> extract. Nick, okay. um, I, I just have firsthand uh, right now experiencing that extract and what it can do, how it makes me feel and all the rest of it. I think once people realize that how the super plant can benefit uh, the individual, I think it is going to be a gold rush. Awesome. Well, we're, we're definitely excited by everything you, you've talked about and excited to try it once it becomes uh, once it becomes available. But um, Bill, this has been a great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Nick. Thank you. And thank you, Anne. Again, a huge thanks to Bill Panagia, Panagia Takopoulos, CEO and founder of Safe Supply Streaming Corporation. You can follow all of their work at safesupply.com and on the CSE at SPLY. As always, thanks for listening to Ann and I on The Green Rush. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter at the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. You can shoot us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to The Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. One take, Shay. One take.